Welcome to the Couples Healing Podcast, where you'll get the tools for him to overcome his addiction, for her to find healing from the pain that it causes her, and for you to heal your relationship and come back together. I hope that you enjoy and subscribe. Hello and welcome back to another episode. We're going to be talking today about this idea of people falling out of love and what you can do if you don't feel as close to your spouse as you'd like to, or if you don't feel as close to them as you used to. Sometimes we hear this idea of, well, I fall in love and then I fall out of love. And when people fall out of love, the fear is that they're just going to keep drifting apart, which leads to ultimately, again, the fear for many people is just it's going to lead to divorce or just a sense of unhappiness because they're not in a good place together. So as I was thinking about what I wanted to share, I think this is such an important piece for so many couples who are going through the, these challenges of addiction and trauma and trying to rebuild trust. Oftentimes people can describe their experience as them falling out of love. So I had a couple of thoughts that I wanted to share on this in case anybody's in this position who's listening to this or who any, anybody who might be feeling is moving towards this drifting apart experience. I want to first start off by saying that there's hope. There's a researcher who I love, the, the, most, the most influential researcher, one of the most influential researchers on couples healing and relationships in general, is somebody by the name of Dr. Sue Johnson. She has produced extraordinary research that talks about, uh, let me actually take a step back. So her research is very applicable. Sometimes people study relationships and they they come out with these data and and facts and, and what they learn about the study, but you can't really do anything with it. But for her, she has created such powerful research because there's something that you can do with it. She creates a a roadmap and a process and a model whereby people can apply what she's learned to try to create better relationships. And so this is another area that she's spoken about. She wrote a book called Love Sense. And again, there's tons of research and very interesting information that goes into the book. Not only that, not only the information, but it's applicable. So you can learn how to use what she's discovered and how to better your relationship because of the steps and the guide that she provides people. It's an excellent resource. So in the book, she talks about how love, so it love sense. The, I remember hearing her speak one time and she said that she wanted to describe, she wanted to create this, the title of the book, Love Sense. And now I forget exactly, it's been years and years since I've heard her speak. The idea behind it was, I can't remember why the, the sense, Oh, it's like another sense. Like you've got your five senses and love being another sense. She talks about how love is a science. I think that's the, um, the, the tagline of the book. It's something about the science of relationships. And she says that in the book, she describes that love is not some mysterious thing that you fall into and then fall out of. She said love is something you can actually create and shape and improve and, and redevelop whenever those feelings start to fade. I think for so many couples, we go through periods of time where our love is stronger and we feel closer to our partner. And other times we don't feel as strong and we feel like there's more distance and we're disconnected and we don't feel like the relationship is where we want it to be. So the thing that I want to teach about or share with you guys about this two aspects of this. For you who want to grow, which I think is, I would guess is most, if not all of you, because you're listening to this podcast, if you want to have a stronger love relationship with your spouse, I want to share with you two keys to be able to reshape 
and create these feelings of love in your relationship. Number one are the building blocks of what it of what it is to create love. Again, because in this book, she talks about how love is not some mysterious thing that just hits you and takes you by surprise and then it goes away and you can't do anything about it. There are actual building blocks for us to strengthen and deepen our love. And the second thing is something that I want to share with you that can help you sustain love over time. Because life ebbs and flows. Anything in our lives like with regard to... Any part of us changes, whether it's our commitment to improve in our habits or it's our, uh, our our level of progress, whether it's with school or home or work or like we all just go through these phases where we do really well in a certain aspect of our life and then we start to do less well and then we do better and then we do less well depending on the season of our life. But love is something, it, it, this is one of the things that if, if you were to focus on this, and make this a priority to strengthen your relationship. This is one of those domino types of things that if you focus on, it has a positive cascading effect in every other area of your life, physically, mentally, emotionally, in our relationships, our confidence, our health. So many things are positively affected when we have a strong love relationship. And the opposite is is also true. In the book, she talks about how Rejection and social isolation is processed in the same part of the brain as physical pain. And she talks about how there's a, another researcher, she quotes another researcher saying that that loneliness is equivalent to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And there's, I can go on and on describing the different impacts that our physical health suffers when we're not in a strong emotional, when we're not in a strong love relationship with our partner, or in other words, when there's discord and tension and fighting, we're, we're physically negatively impacted by that experience because we're meant to be in relationships with other people. We're meant to have strong relationships with other people. And when we don't, we suffer. So one of the first things that I want to talk about are what are the building blocks to having a secure connection? to having a deeper sense of love. So sometimes I use the word connection. I think it's synonymous with closeness or warm feelings or feeling bonded to our partner, feeling in sync, feeling together, feeling like you're on the same page, you're on the same team. I think all of those things are synonymous for connection, which again is is another close feeling of uh, the sense of being loved or accepted. And so there's three basic building blocks for what it takes to have a strong love relationship. The first one, it's an acronym. It's The acronym is R, A-R-E. The first one is accessible. If your partner is emotionally accessible, that is one of the fundamental building blocks for a strong love relationship. So there's a, I did a, a podcast episode months ago. And in it, I linked to a YouTube video that demonstrated in three minutes the building blocks of love between a mom and a daughter. I would encourage you all of you to go back and check that out. So you can look it up on YouTube. The the video is called The Still Face Experiment. Dr. Ed Tronick did this. Uh, So The Still Face Experiment shows a mom and a baby. They're smiling. The camera's on both of them just to kind of gauge their interaction and They're documenting what happens when she smiles, the baby points, the mom looks and points, 
and is engaged with the, the child. So I'll just go through the three building blocks right now so I can use this as an example. So number one is accessible. Number two, responsive. The R means responsive. And the third one, the E means engaged. And so in this video, the mom is demonstrating all three of these building blocks. She's accessible to the baby. The baby smiles, mom smiles back, demonstrating how engaged she is. Baby points, the mom looks where the baby points, again, demonstrating the responsiveness. And the baby's able to access the mom because she's there and she's present. And so as she's doing that, they're both smiling back and forth. And then the researchers ask the mom to completely stop engaging with the child and have a still face. Or in other words, no smiling, just direct eye contact, staring with a blank face, not doing anything to respond to the baby. Once the mom starts doing that, the baby points, the mom just stares at her. And then the baby gets confused and starts to get a little frustrated and kind of makes this cry noise and points again, smiles, no response from the mom. The more she does this, it only takes about 90 seconds. Trying to get the mom's attention, trying to get her to, to respond. But when she doesn't, eventually she turns away. The baby turns away in her seat. And then it becomes too distressing for her and she starts to break down and starts to cry. And so as you're watching this video, sometimes when I do workshops live, I'll show this video because it's so powerful. And at the end of the video, and again, it's only three minutes long. Sometimes there are people in the audience who have tears in their eyes because they're seeing the impact that it has on the baby when she can't get through to her mom. So after about 90 seconds, two minutes, the researcher says, okay, go ahead and engage with your baby again. So that's what the mom does. She starts to smile and say, and the first words that she says to her baby are, I'm here. She's like, I'm here. I'm here for you. And then she starts smiling and pointing and engaging the baby. And I counted it because it happened so quickly. Literally seven seconds after the mom starts to engage, the baby starts to smile again. It doesn't take very long. And that's a good thing. And this is sometimes when I tell, I'm working with couples one time, sometimes, and sometimes people come in in a very, very difficult spot. And as we are working together, we have this foundation and we have these building blocks in place and I'm giving them the tools to be able to have a better relationship. And they feel like they're struggling. And from where I'm sitting, I tell them sometimes, if this is true, right? Sometimes if it's true and I can say, listen, you guys are right there. You're one conversation away from getting your footing. And sometimes when I say that, people don't believe me. They're like, oh yeah, you're just saying that. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm totally serious. You're literally one conversation away from getting your footing because I know the research and seeing this video, you'll see the research playing out that it doesn't take very long for couples to reconnect and have a good moment to get their footing. And so Again, I want to highlight these three building blocks are so fundamental for us to be able to have a strong relationship with our partner. So what does this mean for you? How can you apply this? I think day-to-day -day interactions, you guys can have moments where you can be accessible to your partner. So what does it look like when you're not? Well, if you're, let's say, at the dinner table and somebody has their phone out and the other person's trying to talk. So let's say the, the let's say the the wife is trying to talk to the husband, or it's the other way around. It doesn't. Both are true. Both happen. Wife speaks to husband. Husband's looking at his phone, checking a work email, or husband 
starts to talk to his wife, but his wife is looking at her phone doing something on, on online, whatever she's doing. And those little misses are these little misattuned moments create little bits of distance in that interaction. They, cre- they create frustration. They create annoyance. We get upset. We feel like our partner's not listening to us. We start to feel like we don't matter. What we're saying doesn't, it's not important to the, the other person. And slowly these things start to erode how close we feel to them in the moment. They're not accessible, at least in the moment. They're not responding and they're not engaging in the conversation. So we go through these moments a lot throughout the day, whether it's with friends or our significant relationships in our family. It's so crucial to be able to have our attention on our partner. And when we have a strong relationship, we can weather those. It's like, hey, honey, I'm speaking. Can you please put your phone down? But if we are having a relationship where we haven't felt close, where we felt disconnected or distant from our partner, those little things will spark up fights. And we start to, instead of expressing how we feel, hey, I'm trying to talk to you. And what I'm saying feels like, you know, I feel like I don't matter to you right now when I'm trying to share with you something that, that happened to me that was exciting. Sometimes instead of being able to share clearly and vulnerably, it turns to frustration and we lash out or we snap or we criticize. There you go on your phone again. You're always on the phone. Anytime I try to talk, your face is buried in your phone. You might as well not even be here. You might as well just stay at work. We get critical and snappy, which unintentionally triggers our partner. And when one person feels criticized or demeaned or like our other, like the other person's mad at them or there's anger there, we then get defensive as a reaction. We start to feel annoyed and defensive and we say, what's your problem? I just got home and I have to check this email because I have a deadline that I have to meet. I don't know why you're always on my case. It feels like nothing I ever do is good enough. I work all day. I come home and I get criticized and I get nagged. And so the fight begins. And then he responds in that way. The wife gets upset and feels hurt by his statements. And the cycle then spirals for people. All of this happens as a result of not having these little moments of connection. When we don't have these building blocks in place, it affects us. Another example of this, if you put this in the addiction context and the trauma context, the same things are true. And it's even more, it's even more emphasized and amplified Now, when somebody turns outside of the relationship towards somebody else or something else, whether it's pornography or alcohol or any other behavior or substance, it's the same exact experience for the spouse, but then it's even more amplified. So let's focus on the, let's just say there's pornography in the relationship and the husband turns away from his wife to something that's outside of the relationship, watches something on the phone or the the computer or wherever. And now not only does the wife feel betrayed and disconnected and devastated by his actions, it's even more amplified because he's not present in the relationship and he's not engaged. He's not responding to her needs, but then he's turning outside of the relationship to numb out the pain that he feels, or it's a distraction or a a way to cope. It's a negative way to cope with what's going on inside of him. And so it's doubly painful for the wife because not only is he not present in the relationship with her, 
but then he's being present somewhere else. And when I say present, uh, meaning his attention goes somewhere else. And so this is such a difficult place for so many couples to get stuck because the more somebody turns outside of the relationship or the more somebody disconnects and just plugs into their phone or sports or the computer or video games or Instagram or wherever somebody puts their attention, the less connected the spouse is going to feel with to, to them. And that's not to say that you can't go on social media and you can't play a video game and you can't watch sports and you can't do th- like that's not to say any of that. But if that's the default way that couples are interacting with one another, where there's distance and there's not much interaction, there's not really that much engagement or presence, then those behaviors can continue to widen the gap between both people. You can still, of course, go online and watch shows and movies and whatever whatever you're going to do. That's All of that is perfectly fine with regard to the relationship and it being strong, as long as you have these periods of time or moments where you do come back together and you build the relationship. We just want everything to be in balance, in, the, in its proper balance, because once things start to become imbalanced and out of and disproportionate if you're spending more time away and disconnected from your relationship that's when people start to feel like they're falling out of love so this is where i want to link back into what we've been speaking about uh, the topic of the podcast is sometimes people say like well i'm falling out of love with my spouse i would like to rephrase that it's not so much that we're falling out of love as much as we are becoming more and more disconnected from them And then the warm feelings of happiness and closeness and love and togetherness, those feelings do start to fade. But that's not because it's happening mysteriously or magically. It simply means once you take an ember out of a fire, it starts to cool down. That ember doesn't come out magically, it's taken out. Just in the same way that when people say that they're falling out of love, again, what they mean is they just don't feel as warm or as close to their partner. That is a direct result of not having these building blocks in place. They're not accessible, they're not responsive, and they're not engaged with one another. And as a result of those three things that are missing, then we start to feel like things are fading. The good news that that I hope to then reassure everybody with is all you need to do if you want to start create If you want to start to create a stronger relationship and start to feel those feelings of love again, you simply put those building blocks back in place. You start to become more accessible and responsive and engaged. And accessibility, I talk more on an emotional level. If I can turn to my spouse and I know that she's going to be there, if I'm having a hard day and I want to talk to her about what's going on, or if I want to express frustration or fear or sadness or stress, and I know that she's going to be there, I know that she's going to listen to me then I can feel at ease and know that I'm going to be okay. Like I can come home and talk to her about what's going on. I remember hearing about this study where they, there was a group of people, when they went to their physician, they went to their doctor, the doctor gave them their personal number. And there was another group of people who went to the doctor and did not get the personal number of the physician. And what they discovered was the people who got the doctor's number ended up reaching out and calling their doctor less. And that might sound a little surprising, but what I learned was how they made sense of that was 
when you know that somebody is accessible and they're going to respond to you, you feel more reassured and you feel like things are going to be okay. You don't feel like you need, there's less urgency when you know the other person's there and I can call them at any time. I don't have to call them all the time knowing I'm, I'm okay. And if I do need them, then I can reach out. And if you don't feel like you have access to your partner, let's link this back to the relationship. If you don't feel like you have access to your partner and they're not going to listen or they don't care as much, we feel a lot more urgency and a, a lot more anxious in the relationship because we're not we're, we we feel uncertain if we're going to be able to get our needs met. Having this foundation of accessibility, responsiveness, and engaged creates security in the relationship, so we feel less anxious and less avoidant because we know we have a solid like a home base we can return to. And so if you've been feeling disconnected or distant from your partner and you're not sure why, and again, addiction and trauma amplify the disconnection that people feel in a relationship. So we want to get those things resolved. Of course, we want to get the addiction resolved and stop continuing to, um, how do I say this? It's almost like if you're if if there's a waterfall continually pouring onto something, we have to stop the water or it may be a faucet. That's a better, I don't know if it's a better analogy. If this faucet is continuing to run and you don't want the thing underneath the water to get wet, you have to turn the water off. Once the water stops and you're not conti- like, okay, maybe this is, I think in these weird images and analogies. So I don't know if this one's landing. Sometimes I kind of think on the spot. It's like if you're continuing to lie and act out and slip and fall back into the addiction, continue. the partner continually feels like she has to have her wall up and protect herself. She's always on guard. And so, yes, we want to address the addiction. We want to heal the trauma. And again, one of the best ways that people can do this is have better ways to cope. And one of the most effective ways for somebody to cope is to turn to their partner with how they feel instead of turning to something else, some some behavior or substance to numb out how they feel. And so for people to create this accessibility and responsiveness and engagement in their relationship, it becomes a resource to be able to resolve the reason why somebody's turning to the addiction. And it becomes a resource for the wife who's in trauma, who needs to have her pain validated and held and reassured. Having a relationship where she can turn to helps to create those feelings for her of reassurance and peace. And so we want to, so again, just to recap all of what we're sharing right now, the goal is to be able to be, to put these building blocks in place because addiction and trauma creates distance and a disconnection between the husband and wife. That one of the ways to close that gap is to have those building blocks in place. Once trauma and addiction are worked with and processed and resolved, and this is kind of an ongoing thing, it's not so much a sequence of, okay, once that box is checked, then we move to the next thing. I think a lot of this stuff can happen in conjunction with the rest of it. But those are big things that cause even more distance and disconnection. It it breaks the attachment, knowing that there's something or someone else in between him and her. And so focusing on these building blocks and resolving the addiction and trauma will create feelings of love again. The last thing that I want to share, and maybe I can do a little bit more explaining in a different podcast. So these two basic things that can help create feelings of love, these building blocks, the A-R-E acronym. And secondly, 
when our values, when our relationship values and our needs are being met. So when when I talk about values, just I'll briefly share this idea. Values are what is important to us in a certain category of life. We have general values, like general values just uh, in terms of our, our perspective on life. But more specifically, we have values in certain categories of life, whether it's work or relationships, spirituality, health, fitness, personal development. We all have certain things that we value in each of those categories. And so if we emphasize the relationship category right now, since we're talking about this, somebody's values in a relationship might be, well, I value. In other words, one of the ways to elicit your values is to simply ask the question, what's important to you about, again, relationships? What's important to you about work? What's important to you about spirituality? That will then start to elicit what matters most to you. And so if you were to ask yourself that question, or if you were to ask your partner that, what is what is something that's important to you about relationships? The other person might respond and say, well, I value kindness. I value fun. I value honesty, compassion, passion, intimacy, excitement. I value uh, spent quality time together, togetherness. Right? There's, a, there's hundreds of different things that people can value in relationships. Once people can identify what they value, that just kind of reveals the need. Right, Values and needs can be similar. So if I value honesty and, and compassion and service and love and quality time, that then just gives you a short list of the needs that I have in a relationship. And once people are able to get their needs met in the relationship, again, it creates and contributes to feelings of closeness. So for me personally, some of the values that I have are compassion, um, service, fun, and selflessness. And so these are some of the things that are really important to me. And so when my wife does these things, and one thing I'll also add is physical touch. Like, so if I come home and I get a hug and a kiss, or if I'm met at the door with a smile, like, hey, how are you doing? It's good to see you. Hug and a kiss. That really fills me up. And if she does something that's selfless or uh, like uh, some kind of a service, or she does something kind for me or is compassionate, that just really helps me to feel close to her. Now, it turns out that her values are different than mine. And so when she says this, this, and this are important to me, that doesn't then mean that she and I are incompatible. I think so many times people's values are different than one another. All that means is we want to get clear about what those values are, and then we can simply make it a priority and a focus to align our actions with our partner's values. So if my wife values fun, let's say, and if I say, well, I'm fine, I'm just kind of a homebody and I don't mind just reading and hanging out and doing that kind of thing. It's going to be important for me to make sure it's a priority that I'm going out and taking, I'm taking her out on dates and doing fun things. Even if I don't necessarily need something that's as frequent or doing some specific activity, if that's important to her and I know that, then by simply putting those things into place, then I know that she's going to feel fulfilled in the relationship. She's going to feel much more excited and close to me, which then benefits the relationship and it benefits how close we feel to one another. So even if your values are different than your partner, 
it's crucial that we can understand what our partner's values are, that they understand what our values are, and then by making it a, f- a focus and a priority to try to meet their needs and being consistent, that just helps to strengthen and grow the relationship and it sustains it. And so that's just a brief little piece of what I want to touch on with regard to values. But putting these two things in place, again, this A-R-E an acronym, the fundamental building blocks for a secure connection, and then making sure we're aware of and are trying to fulfill our partner's values and needs, this is what will create a relationship that's sustainable, literally, for the rest of our lives. So what I encourage you to do over the next week or so, or just at some point this week, if you can think about these two things and start to find moments where you can be more accessible and more responsive and engaged with your partner, and then I would encourage you to have a conversation with them. You can try to discover each other's values so you can be putting things in place that can help you execute on those so that you can feel the relationship growing. And it doesn't take very long to do this. If you watch that video, the still face experiment on YouTube, you're going to have a good sense of what this looks like and the fact that it doesn't actually take very long at all. So I would encourage you to check that video out. Put these building blocks in place in your relationship. And if things are getting in the way, I, I, I want to continue to provide resources and tools to help you create moments of being accessible and engaged and responsive And then make those moments something that turns into the default of your relationship. So I would encourage you to try to focus on these things over the next few days or at some point this week and watch your relationship grow, even in a very short amount of time, because you're putting the right things in place. And once you have the right things in place, that's what's going to help continue to give you motivation to keep going because it's feeling like you're actually making progress. So I hope that helps. And I look forward to speaking with you guys next week. Take care. Wait, before you go, I'm offering free access for my podcast listeners to a course I created. So make sure you go to coupleshealing.org so you can get some tools to start the healing process individually and in your relationship. Or if you want even more support and you'd like to work with me directly, you can contact me with the info that's on that website as well. I'm excited for you to make progress on your journey.